0: run their mouth mouth don't throw punches punches throw punches the fight happens in the ring are you ready champ like like i cannot not be ready right like i ain't been doing my job for eight to ten weeks right okay okay like i got here overnight
1: right (laughs) like we ain't been doing two shows a week right
0: we ain't got here we ain't ain't just get here overnight ken (laughs) shit Nah,
1: nah, this phenomenon's (laughs) been rolling on for three years now, Vin. (laughs) Buckle up. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Welcome to episode 154 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What's going on, brother?
0: I tell you, man, it's, uh, what are we, Wednesday?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's
0: Wednesday. Wednesday
1: night late. Yeah, uh, let's say this, about uh,
0: last weekend's affair and kind of the winding down of Triple G and Jacob's I'll tell you what's a shame about it is it was such a good fight and such a good night for boxing, but it's the annoyance of the aftermath of that fight. Dude, I'm just ready to, like, push it aside. Like, okay, enough of this bullshit.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, all those that were screaming robbery that thought that Danny Jacobs got robbed, they've all moved on. Uh, They've moved on to the pay-per-view numbers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're on to the next thing to prove – uh, you know their 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 point that is more important than any others.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? You idiots!
1: Oh, you know what? At this point in time, Ben, this late Wednesday evening on the eve of the Jason Quigley, Glenn Tapia, Golden Boy card on ESPN two, mm-hmm. bringing it back. Um, I've moved on. Jorge Lenares and Anthony Kralla Hala are on my mind. Yes, sir. You yes, know sir. Know what I mean? A rematch uh, for Manchester England. But before we get to that, be sure to drop by com today. Subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And, of course, subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter, at Vince Cummings 81, and at Kenny Keith Jr. All right, Ben, let's take it across the pond. Showtime, little afternoon affair on oh, premium cable. Gotta love it absolutely man i love these shows uh, it's too bad there's no undercard involved in this i mean there is but not of any guys that anybody in the united states will ever hear of at any point in time
0: eddie eddie couldn't sneak this one past the casuals <laughs> on pay-per-view could he no that undercard just ain't good enough no no there's no. not there's not
1: enough tbas on there ken <laughs> <laughs> against names oh man hey at least we got two names in the main event right? yes, yes. and you get to watch probably a you know, uh, a little less than an hour of boxing on a Saturday afternoon, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, I'll take that appetizer.
1: All right, it's a rematch this Saturday night, March 25th. Again, from Manchester, England on Showtime, Jorge Linares versus Anthony Kralla, part two for the WBA lightweight championship of the world. The first question has to be asked, listen, it's been asked since this was announced. Yeah. I think a lot is in flux right now because of the return of Mikey Garcia, possibility of unification fights. Lenar isn't a holding pattern. I mean, let's remember when Zlatikinen got that belt when Lenar has got injured, you know, he became the mandatory for the winner of Zlatikinen versus Garcia. Well Zlatiken got uh cleanly knocked out of the picture, <laughs> didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He's not in the picture. Maybe an opponent, uh, if he works his way back up the rankings on a future date. But for now, Jorge Linares and Anthony Crawler revisit their match from last year. Then this was a fight that I know a lot of our UK followers of the show um, were actually in line with us on this one. You know, there were a handful of casuals that, of course, you know, don't know what they're watching and thought that Crawler won the fight. But it was a pretty dominant performance by Jorge Linares.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't know how anybody could have seen it any less than nine three eight four Jorge Linares. Oh, solid,
1: fight. solid. I mean, he
0: dominated. He he He's just a supreme fighter. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has – he may not be an elite-level fighter based on what he's done in his career, but he has elite-level skills, elite-level pedigree. He just kind of hasn't put it all together it, 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 for stretches of time in his career. I, you know, uh, based on what we saw in the first fight here, Ken, I I just I question why this rematch was was made. And then you you don't question it once you think about it for about ten seconds. You go, well, for one, Jorge <laughs> Linares is cashing easy money, yeah, easy money, big money too. He he hasn't had a ton of big money fights in his life. These are the probably the two biggest, to be honest. Uh, so he keeps the belts. He's definitely moving on after this. There's no. You know we've seen Krala come back in his career uh in in a rematch against Perez, Darleus Perez. Yeah, this is a completely, completely different fighter. That was a completely different first fight. I you know, I it's gonna be a fun fight. The first fight was fun, but it's just you know clearly going into this who's gonna win and who's the better fighter. And that's Jorge Linares,
1: period. The the first fight was fun because after two years of inactivity, bullshit one-two U.S. boxing. Outside of the guys that are, you know, considered the Maulers, the top operators. Outside of those guys, I mean, let's be honest, we we weren't seeing very good boxing. No. So when Jorge Linares squared off with Anthony Krala in their first match, we finally got to see a guy coming off of an injury, a guy that we last, you know, most recently remembered against Kevin Mitchell. A guy that at one time when he was going into his you know championship fight when he fought for the featherweight title against Oscar Larios back in 2007, 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago. He's been around. At that point in time, Jorge Linares was considered the next wizard of the sport. He was going to be the next what we know as mm-hmm. today, the top operators in the sport today. Terrence Crawford, Vasily Lomachenko, Mikey Garcia, Guys like that. Right. Jorge Linares is cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. Now he's been exposed, you know, some chinks in the armor have been exposed along the way. But this fight just reaffirmed to all of us that it kind of been, you know, know, popping a woody over Linares' potential. Maybe it was never met, but getting to see a top operator in the ring, what we saw in their first fight, which made it so exciting, back to the original point of this, Jorge Linares is one of the most skillful and most... effortlessly naturally talented combination punchers Mm -hmm. in the last 10 years in boxing. I mean, let's remember this guy's reign started 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. I can't think of anybody that puts together a better, smoother, quicker, uh, just fluid combination. That is just, he's accurate as hell on top of it. And he knows what punches to put after, you know, he he knows how to place his punches together. Uh, It's, I mean I said it before Ken I, you know, skills wise, yes, I think this guy is among the elite in the sport. It's just the fact that he's been knocked out three <laughs> times. Yeah. I mean that's his only downfall. Let's just you eliminate the the knockouts in those fights. Jorge Linares was winning most of those fights. So I, you know, he's just a guy that I I think maybe it took him a while to figure out what his flaw was and maybe make some changes in his game. But to me, there's no more exciting fighter when he gets on the offensive and starts unloading. He, I mean, dude, he, he just, he's got the quickest combinations, the, the nicest hands, some of the nicest hands in the sport.
1: You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a lazy comparison when talking about Jorge Linares, but I think these two fighters' careers are very much in parallel. And Jorge Linares and Amir Khan, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Two guys viewed as being supremely—I think one is viewed as being supremely skilled in Jorge Linares, right—and one being viewed as supremely talented in Amir Khan. Both have met their potential in 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 moments. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. Mo- you know, both of them have have achieved success, but they've never achieved what maybe their skill set or their god-given abilities you know, have have told us they could. Jorge Linares' chin, look, if he's fighting guys like Anthony Krala, and I know there's some Krala, you know, guys out there that are, are going to jack him regardless of the of the truths and realities of this fight. Yeah. Jorge Linares is, this is smart matchmaking as much as it is cashing in oh, yeah. and, and and collecting a check because Anthony Krala is tailor-made for the style of fighter that Jorge Linares is.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we Krala, being a Joe Gallagher-trained fighter, we, we know what we're going to get. It, Cookie cutter. It, it's straight up and down, you know, come forward, try to wear your opponent down early, keep the guard up. And it, you know, in this first fight, it worked to Krala's disadvantage because you, you look back on that first fight going into it, and Krala was coming off a, I want to say, a body punch stoppage of Barroso. Was that what it was? Either way, if that was the wasn't the next, the first fight before that, it was very soon before it. Ah, no, it was the Barroso fight. Yeah, so I remember going into that fight and thinking, "Man, uh, Krala has got to go to the body here. This is his only chance in this fight is to hurt Linares to the body." And people gave him the possibility of doing that, but then the fight came around, and you saw <laughs> Linares completely destroy Krala to the body early. And I don't know if anybody remembers, and maybe I'm misremembering here but for the last four or five rounds of that fight Anthony kralla looked like he was punching underwater his <laughs> punches did. were so slow and deliberate and weak and it's because he got worn out to the body
1: he did he did hey look you got to give uh, you know the UK championship boxing tide that carried a lot of people with the momentum and a lot of people with the hype mm-hmm. you know what I mean uh, look, Anthony Krala hit his stride at the right moment. Well, that, they, they had a short
0: time in the spotlight over there, <laughs> didn't they, with them 14 belts? Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, look, he starts with the the majority draw against Arleas Perez, right? You right. Talk, you talked about it a little bit before. Well, he comes back in the rematch and knocks him out. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So there you have a little bit of momentum. Then the Barroso fight, like you talked about, Barroso, the perceived like underdog uh uh a side killer of the division that i think everybody and i admittedly myself too i picked Barroso. yeah and got
0: way too excited about a guy that was completely unproven
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and you know what look if 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 Krawla, you know Krawla may be average for for professional prize fighters the professional ranks you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know i think that's where he stands um he definitely had enough experience and Joe Gallagher's little, you know, minimal, uh, I guess, sort of stripped down <laughs> offensive game plan right. that he is, you know, uh, filled the toolboxes of such elite talents as Scott Quigg <laughs> <laughs> and others.
0: Uh, Swifty Smith, uh, you know, yeah. the, the
1: entire Smith clan, Ken. Well, let's just say this. If the Gallagher's have two, two tools in their bag, the high guard, and the one-two, um, Barroso only had one, and it was just that one overhand punch. That was it.
0: Yeah, it was, was a lunging in straight left. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Um, what's your prediction for the fight, Ben? Uh,
0: you know, I don't see any other way than this fight ending in a Lenar stoppage, and I see everybody saying that. Lenar stoppage late. Lenar stoppage late. I, I I don't see any other way that it goes, and I hate to be the guy that, that you know, kind of just jumps on what everybody else is saying, but I – it's it's I think it's plain to see and everybody can see it. Lenars is just way too fucking good for Krala. Krala, tough as hell, good fighter, top five in the division, but Lenars is number one or two in the division.
1: Yeah, I mean this is uh yeah we saw how supremely skilled he was. Okay? Right. Okay. Him traveling to the UK, dude, he's been a road warrior a, a lot oh, in his yeah, career. Yeah. You know what I mean. And going over there and only one of the judges getting it right on the scorecard with the 117, 111. The other one, you know, where, look, you're in the U.K. Right. And if Krala fucking sneezes, there's going to be an eruption from the crowd.
0: Well, that's what's scary about this fight, too, is that it's not going to take much more than what Krala did in the first fight to turn this into a draw or a split decision in in his favor. And you could very easily see a, you know, the trilogy in this matchup. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm just saying, if politics come into play, well, if it's close enough,
1: well, I'm sure Lenares knows that, and maybe that's why everybody's leaning towards a knockout. Right. But I think it has more to do with something we've talked about before and, you know, something we've honestly gotten wrong before. When we talk about fighters being able or capable of making adjustments, right, we talked about it after Carl Frampton fought Leo Santa Cruz for the first time, right? And we had seen. Previous to the Carl Frampton fight, pretty much just, just cab driver after cab driver, mm-hmm. where Leo Santa Cruz was never forced to make any adjustment whatsoever. So he goes into his first fight with Carl Frampton and looked to put forth pretty much the same game plan he always did, which made it very predictable. And we came out and said, I know at least I speak for myself, I, you know, I said, Leo Santa Cruz is not capable of making adjustments. Here's where Leo Santa Cruz made the adjustments in the rematch and was able to win. Leo Santa Cruz going into the first fight, and obviously the second fight as well, had physical advantages. Mm-hmm. He had reach advantages and height advantages and overall weight advantages after inflating after the weigh-in, right? He didn't use those in the first fight. So when you don't use your physical advantages, you never have. It's very easy to pigeonhole somebody and say, well, this guy can't make adjustments. Here's the thing with Anthony Corrala. He does not possess any advantage in this fight. No. He didn't in the first fight. No. Leo Santa Cruz possessed a few advantages in that first fight. Yes, he did. And then he capitalized on them in the second fight. Krala has nothing, no leg to stand on here at all. The only chance he has is the clip Lenares. That's it. And if Lenares boxes the way he did in the first fight, I predict a knockout will come. Because if there is somebody in this fight that can make adjustments, it's Lenares. Krala's only chance in this fight to me, Vin, is a Hail Mary punch. Give me Jorge Linares in the 10th round. TKO. Yeah, uh, look, I
0: I think the only way for Anthony Krala to have a chance in this fight is to dump the Joe Gallagher game plan and come out the gates firing punches and try to hurt him early. Yeah. Uh, Because the longer the fight goes, Jorge Linares will settle in, and yes, I think he will beat him to submission late.
1: All right. There you have it. I mean, hold on. Let me ask you this before we move on. does this our foregone conclusion or this inevitability that surrounds this fight make it any less exciting for you to watch?
0: No. No, because I enjoy watching Jorge Linares go to work. So Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I'm tuning in for. Yeah. I mean, look, I know what's going to happen. That's fine. Yeah. I like boxing, Ken. <laughs> you like boxing? I
1: do. I thought you only liked brutality, Ben. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so if you're listening to episode 154 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast, then you are either up really, really late on Wednesday night. Yeah. You're probably listening to this for the first time on Thursday morning. So I'm just going to use this word. Tonight. (laughs) Right. On ESPN2. uh, It's the return of boxing on ESPN. Finally. Remember all those promised dates we had last year from the PBC that never materialized? Yeah. What happened to those? Well, Golden Boy apparently had no problem getting a licensing fee to pay their uh, for ESPN to pay them to have boxing. How'd that work? <laughs> it's
0: ridiculous, man. I'll tell you
1: how it works. A Thursday night slot on ESPN2. This matchup, and this card, to be honest with you, but this matchup for the headliner, the Irish prospect who's been training on the West Coast in Los Angeles for a while now, Jason Quigley, a middleweight a nice middleweight prospect, squaring off against the guy you hire for a potential fight of the year that you know you'll beat. (laughs) A guy that's been on some of the most brutal Uh, ends of knockouts in the last probably 10 years of boxing. David Lemieux almost killed him. David Lemieux, remember uh, Michel Soro? Oh, my God. (laughs) Dude, his head was... What
0: happened to Michel Soro, by the way? Uh, Not to get off track here, but... That was a good fucking fighter. I ain't heard shit from him. A
1: heavy-handed fighter, man. I think yeah. he's battled some injuries and the fact that he fights in France. Yeah. Um, well, Glenn Tapia, the remains of a Michel Soro fight, <laughs> right? right? Um, and, and Jason Quigley, you have a prospect who's looking to take the rise on a journeyman fighter. Who's needed a fight for a while. And Glenn Tapia is just skilled enough. And has just enough power. Remember, he trained with Freddie Roach. I don't know if Roach is still training him for this fight or not. But my point is this. We, we saw when Tapia fought over, what was it, in China under on a on a Zhou Ximing card? Oh, yeah, you yeah. Remember that? Yep, yep, yep. We saw him jab his way to victory. We, we were like, oh, my gosh. Look, Freddie Roach is teaching this kid how to fight. At least survive. <laughs> no, not so much. Um, but this is the perfect kind of matchup that was always meant for ESPN Friday Night Fights. And now we get it to kick off Golden Boys Series. What do you think about this matchup?
0: I love it, man. It it ain't going to go the (laughs) full 10 or what is it, 10 rounds yet. Who who knows? It's a 10-round fight. It ain't ain't probably going to go past five, Ken.
1: (laughs) You like Quigley big in this one?
0: Yeah. I think Quigley's coming out to make a statement. He's a kid that with the proper promotion and proper matchmaking, they might be able to get a little something behind him. So I think they're trying to build that with this fight here, get this kid a little exposure, get him a big knockout, Against- Get him
1: knocked out by Canelo or Lemieux. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah. Honestly, if it doesn't work out, right. Um, you know, I just I feel bad for Glenn Tapia, man. I really do. I, you know what? Give give the kid another paycheck. That's fine. But it's getting to the point where you're you're looking at, you know, this kid sounding like James Tony here at the age of thirty.
1: Yeah, dude. We said it before. After the Soro knockout. We said, this. look, Glenn Tapia needs to find something else to do with his life.
0: He was ringside for uh a L.A. Fight Club card, one, I, one of them, or a, a top rank. something. True TV? He was ringside calling the fight. My God, they had him interviewing people in the crowd. And...
1: <laughs> no wonder True TV didn't uh, re-up that contract. Oh, it was bad. It was real bad. Was it as bad as Abner Marez calling a fight? that guy was fucking horrible <laughs> oh my god
0: you cannot uh, just give the mic to a fighter pvc has no problem doing. no it. they don't <laughs> they do they straight up wwe that shit
1: <laughs> oh all right so Quigley and tapia headline the card from indio california espn2 randy caballero uh, undefeated fighter takes on jesus ruiz junior featherweight bout dude caballero um, has some tools in his bag.
0: He does. He does. A good fighter and, you know, a, another kid that, yes, yeah, perfect platform for him, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, 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 Ken, I think above all on this card, you know who's back, baby. <laughs> Teddy Atlas is back. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Are they calling it? I believe it's Teddy Atlas and uh, who's the uh, the Mexican guy? Uh, Beto Duran? No, not Beto Duran. It's uh, Bernardo Asuna. That's on ESPN. I thought he was a beat reporter no no he's doing a call He does now? yeah he does like uh golpes y golpes <laughs> <laughs> on espn deportes does he yeah i'm pretty sure yes uh, if i remember correctly that's what
1: i read foo, man i was hoping <laughs> they were going to bring along the golden boy crew for this one because
0: todd grisham's a ufc man now he ain't with espn no more that's
1: right that's right well maybe espn was like listen we would love to have steve kim Doug Fisher and Better Duran, right? right? We would love to, but we owe Teddy Atlas a shit ton of money. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? They're like, we got to get this guy off the books somehow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's get him some work. He's working on a contract from the mid-90s.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear his, his updated pound-for-pound pound list. <laughs> Oh, top prospect Hector Tanahara Jr. in action against Danielle Paredes, and it marks the return of Mauricio Herrera. Well, they buried him down there, didn't they? Oh, man, a guy who's gotten jobbed more than anybody in the last few years in boxing. Uh, uh,
0: there's, there's one fighter you can seriously feel sorry for yeah. that missed out on some huge paydays, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, And you got the uh, poor man, uh, Curtis Stevens, joining the party, Toriano Johnson. Seems a little less interested in Stevens, but had an injury to mix in to stay inactive. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. (laughs) They're tucking them in under Hector Tanahara. Who has the higher ceiling, Vin? Ah, Yeah. All right, let's move this thing to some news and notes. Um, Over the last four weeks, we have special guests, Montero on boxing, Michael Montero, Doug Fisher, and Steve Kim from UCN Live stopping by the show. So we didn't get to much of the news and notes that we normally cover. There's one card that slipped under the radar and overall, really good card. If this card had access to, say, what Golden Boy's doing on ESPN, this lineup here from top to bottom, prospects galore, two champions that have potential to do great things, this would be perfect for a Friday night primetime spot on ESPN. How a guy as influential in this sport as Bob Arum is, the godfather of boxing promoting, Promoted the biggest events in the history of the sport. The biggest names. Still the big one of the biggest dogs on the block today in his mid-80s. Mm-hmm. How he is not able to find a television slot anywhere. Anywhere. PBC can put garbage on major networks, but Oscar Valdez versus Miguel Mariaga, Gilberto Ramirez, Max Bursick, Jesse Magdaleno dos Santos, and the debut of Shakur Stevenson winds up on pay-per-view. And I think the perception of what pay-per-views mean today, what the casual boxing public perceives as pay-per-view success, all of these things cast a rain cloud that kind of hangs over top of this event. Oscar Valdez versus Miguel Mariaga should be a great test for Oscar Valdez against the first real power puncher he's ever faced of his career, a guy that you and I have touted as being the future, one of the future faces of boxing, one of our top three prospects on our prospect list. This fight, Valdez versus Mariaga, this is a really, really good fight. Yeah, uh, the fact that you
0: that we're going to have to pay for it is a fucking joke. I mean, I I think we've heard preliminary numbers and forty, forty five, maybe fifty bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had a source that that I talked to directly that told me. Forty-five is 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 the ballpark. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. I'm not paying forty-five bucks to watch these guys fight. No, I'm
0: sorry. I pay money for to have two channels already, a premium net, two premium networks to watch fights. What does that cost you? Twenty-five dollars a month. It's fourteen ninety-nine or yeah, fourteen ninety-nine for Showtime and fifteen sixteen ninety-nine for HBO. Uh, over thirty bucks. Yeah,
1: a month. Yes, that's I, like getting fucking uh, an Eddie Hearn pay-per-view. <laughs> every month. Yes, it is. Uh, basically, you're right. <laughs> you subscribe to Matchroom pay-per-view. Yeah,
0: as many as many as Eddie puts on what, two a month over there, so yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so funny, it's man. Just, it's just a shame. If what, this was 20 bucks, what do you do, man? 20
0: bucks? I might plunk down the 20. I I may just plunk down the $20, but 45? You this is going to be the most widely streamed event in the history of boxing events being streamed. I'm serious, because there's, there's enough talent on this card where every diehard boxing fan in this country wants to see these fighters, all three of them. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, a lot of people aren't, f- aren't very familiar with Jesse Magdaleno, though.
0: Well, yeah. But, but
1: he's a tough
0: fighter, dude. I, I, if you tune in for him, you'll want to tune in again. I guarantee you that. All right,
1: so the, the promotional faux pas mm-hmm. by Honest Bob on this one. I, honestly, I think Bob should foot the bill, isn't it? Yeah, he
0: should. It just and I'm not gonna say this about, it, but it just comes off as lazy.
1: It does. It comes off as fucking lazy. He can't afford you, to pay these guys out of his pocket. Plus, you know, a little bit of support here and there. Streaming this thing in Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. He couldn't put this on Top Ranks app, toprank.com, and just stream it. Yeah, and just cover the purses and not make a profit. I mean, at some
0: point, you gotta, you know. You got to plant the seeds and and water them for them to grow. And if that if that's at your cost to start with, you know, so be it. In this market, in today's market in boxing, and we're seeing that there's not as many networks out there, and not as many people willing to pay for fights as there has been in the past. You got to get creative, man. And the, and and pay per view ain't creative.
1: No, this is not helping Oscar Valdez's career because no. this kind of matchup should at least be on Spike or FS1 or something. Because this kind of matchup is going to M- – Marriott is just dangerous enough and he's just good enough mm-hmm. to, to bring – to force Valdez to, to show us another level. Right. And who's going to watch it? 40,000 people maybe. And 35 of them will be streaming. <laughs> Sucks, man. It's very disappointing. And listen, look, I've said this repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck if you can afford pay-per-views or not. Right. I buy all the pay-per-views or I go to your house and watch them, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I never bitch about paying for a pay-per-view. My philosophy has always been, if you can't afford to pay for pay-per-view for the fights that you want to watch, move out of your mom's basement and get a fucking job. Right. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Never complain about pay-per-view. If you don't want to you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. What disappoints me about this pay-per-view is this is a hell of a prospect card. Yeah. Coming of age card. New champion. Gilberto Ramirez with the weakness at 168 right now. Mm-hmm. Has an opportunity to take over the whole fucking landscape at 168. He does. And have a pretty damn good career at 175.
0: And, and can be an exciting fighter at times, but it's it's been a while since we've seen him. He's gonna he's gonna fight on this card on pay-per-view. A bunch of people are not going to see it it's what is it doing for these guys
1: careers nothing and the debut of Shakur Stevenson
0: yeah I mean I, I, Michael Conlon gets a whole show to himself you probably get away with telling the youngster that hey you're on pay-per-view and you for your first fight and they're like, oh shit pay-per-view first fight he's probably getting paid a little bit too yeah yeah you know what I mean they said they had something big planned for him Bob yeah. said there's you thought what, what uh what they did for Conlon was big he said they got something big planned for Stevenson we'll see what happens
1: We'll see if Conor McGregor's there and we'll see if it's on free TV. What do you think, man? I think uh,
0: Stevenson should come out in the full Apollo Creed garb, much like Conlon did with the Irish <laughs> Apollo Creed garb. And let's just build this matchup up for like eight years. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Only if... Living they, in America. Yes. Oh, the full... You got to go the whole nine yards here. I was just going to say that. As long <laughs> as they agree to the James Brown song, Living in America. We need the backup dancers. We need the fake bull with the smoke coming out of us. Coat, coat, across the nation. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So, April 22nd, top-ranked pay-per-view from the StubHub Center. The mecca yeah. of boxing on the West Coast. Yes, sir. So uh, Valdez-Mariaga sounds like action for as long as it lasts. I think
0: the, the card will be great, period.
1: It, it will. Oh, maybe, uh, let's see, by then my uh, my firstborn child should be two weeks old. I should be able to get away for that one. I bet you'll be sleeping. Probably. <laughs> Probably. All right, so uh, more announcements. May 20th, 2017, HBO, Newark, New Jersey. Terrence Crawford takes on Felix Diaz defending his unified WBC and WBO lightweight championship. What do you think about the matchup between Ter- uh, Terrence Crawford and the uh, former Olympian Felix Diaz?
0: Uh, it's not a terrible matchup. I mean, I, I, you know, I think Terrence Crawford is, is clearly the better fighter. Felix Diaz has the pedigree. He's beaten a solid fighter in Lamont Peterson. He's, he knows what he's doing in the ring. I just feel bad for Terrence Crawford because there's nowhere to go at 140 pounds. There's just not much there. He's pinned in today. I mean, if Mikey Garcia hopped up there real quick and we could get that fight, all right, sure. I'll let you know. I, I know he wants to unify with the winner of Burns and Adongo after they fight. Uh, I'm fine if he unifies those belts and moves up, but there's just nothing that like every single one of those matchups that you could lay out for him. You're like, yeah, win, 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 win. <laughs> I don't have to think about it. I want him to get to 147, and I want him in some some top in with some top notch talent that is up to his level because it's not it's not there. 140. Felix Diaz is very fucking good, but he's not on Terrence Crawford's level.
1: No, you know what? It, it, it seems with the uh, current track record outside of the ring for Terrence Crawford that he is best suited by being an active fighter. Yeah. Not an inactive fighter. Yeah. Because clearly when he is not focusing on boxing or flying to Africa and doing charity, huh, he's causing a ruckus. Yeah. What what happened this time around? Something about a... Something about a something, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> something about a something. But he's going to have to see a man about that, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah look as long as uh, Terrence Crawford stays out of the courtroom and again old honest Bob can keep him active um, look the the matchup serves its purpose for now I think that they're going to have to make a like you hinted towards about him moving up to 147 they are going to have to make a very very big decision if they cannot lock up a unification fight with the winner of Burns and Odongo.
0: yeah I think uh, possibly they're just waiting on Pacquiao to give in eventually <laughs>
1: because <laughs> you know bob there's is so just, many guys pack you out and still beat he, i, I you know, know
0: i know but you know bob is just working on cons and that's probably part of the downfall of their relationship over the uh, last year exactly right year and a half is bob saying hey michael yeah it's time for you yeah get you guys of,
1: get a <laughs> greasy son of a bitch
0: <laughs> yeah remember that 250 million dollars i made your team yeah I want some fucking payback. Get your boy in the ring yeah. and put my boy Terrence
1: Crawford over. Would you <laughs> uh, cr- Dude, Crawford needs something because he is I'm not saying he's falling into the category of an Andre Ward or a guy who's wasting prime if it continues much longer than 2017 he will have wasted a considerable amount of his prime
0: absolutely you know absolutely what I mean? and and we haven't really seen him he hasn't really had that career defining win i mean postal yeah i guess
1: yeah he, okay
0: i guess that's it right now well, but is, that ain't much where's postal yeah exactly he went postal exactly <laughs>
1: All right, Terrence Crawford versus Felix Diaz. We'll get into more of that fight as it approaches the Unified WBC-WBO Lightweight Championship on the line. One week later, on Showtime from Sheffield, England, it's the home of Special K, the special one, as they call him, Kel Brook, squares off and defends his IBF welterweight championship against his mandatory challenger. Good fight. Errol Spence, it's official.
0: Good fight, good fight. What say you, Vin? I'm glad to see that... uh... This will be a VADA-tested fight. These guys will be clean. Errol Spence, before making this deal happen, had to sign up. Brooke did.
1: That's why the announcement took so long. I guarantee
0: it. Oh, yeah. It was delayed a little bit. Absolutely. And Kel Brook made a statement uh, on social media basically saying, Hey, uh, I signed the papers. I enrolled for VADA. It's time for you to do the same. And he did. And I give him credit for it. And this is going to be a great fight. I think this is... Widely considered the two best welterweights in the world with Manny Pacquiao considered out of the picture on world tour status.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, he's on vacation. Yeah. I, I still think Pacquiao could beat any of them. Yes. So, uh, you, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, out of the picture. Yeah, because he ain't fighting these guys. No, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so back into the actual world of, uh, of, of welterweight boxing. Uh-huh. Look, there's a couple things. The Vada thing that you just brought up is huge. It really ends a lot of speculation and probably a lot of negative PR that an up-and-coming prospect like Errol Spence, he does not need at this point in his career.
0: I love that. I love what's going on in the sport now that it's becoming known that this is being implemented. And, yes, now fighters are fucking calling other fighters out. As they should. Clean this fucking sport up. Because it's been a mess for a long time.
1: Well, you know, people sleep on what kind of leverage title holders have in mandatory situations, especially against guys that are so hungry to get a belt and make their arrival on the world stage. So couple that, okay, the Vada testing, mm-hmm. right? Along with, I guess it kind of goes along with the storyline leading up to last week's fight, the HBO pay-per-view, with Gennady Golovkin and Danny Jacobs, the IBF weigh-in. Mm-hmm. The advantage that Danny Jacobs was able to get by skipping that weigh-in. This fight exists for one reason, this belt, and this belt only. Kell Brook is about as tough a mandatory as you're going to get outside of Manny Pacquiao for your first big shot. Yeah. For your first big shot. So we have Vada, and now people are like, oh, that IBF thing doesn't mean anything. Hey, you said it. You said, well, the WBC, and the WBA, and the WBO don't give a fuck. Right. Right? In that situation. It becomes irrelevant. In this situation, it's very. Oh, this yeah. is why the role exists. Yeah, when it's only for the IBF belt. Exactly. Especially in a fight where the challenger and the champion are the two biggest fighters in the division.
0: Yeah, they had their uh, first press conference today. And uh, Kell Brook looks pretty, pretty big. Yeah. And all you could hear when they're having their face off is, is Team Spence sitting there going, just make weight, son. You better make weight. You going to make weight? That's all they kept saying. and yeah, fair 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 assessment based on the way Kel Brook looked. He looks like he gained some weight. He always boils down in between fights but I, yeah, I don't always I, I don't think it's going to be a problem for him. I, I really don't. He's still going to be 160 on fight night. Yeah, at least. yeah yeah, because he's going to weigh 157 in the morning and he is going to gain probably six more pounds during that day before the fight
1: But he's also fighting a guy that is about an inch taller and has a very similar physical build. Yeah. I think Spence will probably... Dude, I think we're going to look at two guys, about 162, 163, standing relatively nose-to-nose to each other in this fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. And look, uh, based on the picture I saw in the face-off, I don't know if it was angle or whatever, but Errol Spence is definitely the bigger man. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. Uh, you know, I don't know if we see that come play, you know, play to his advantage in this fight, because Kell Brook is a sturdy, strong man, whether he looked a little smaller or not. Kelbrook Brook is built like a brick shithouse.
1: Has one of the best natural boxing stances in the game today. <clears throat>
0: very sturdy. Very sturdy. Centered. Base. Yeah.
1: Upright. Center of gravity. I mean, Ken, the, the biggest question in this fight is,
0: Kelbrook Brook has been in the ring with good fighters. You yeah. know. Sean Porter and Golovkin are the two best. You say what you want about Sean Porter. That's a tough fight to win for any fighter.
1: Oh, I think I think Porter
0: gives Spence fits all day. Porter will go the distance with anybody, in my opinion. Yeah. And it will be a tough fight for any of them. He will mentally push them to the edge just based on the pressure he puts on. And Ken, Errol Spence ain't been in the ring with shit. No. he. I mean, okay, Chris Algieri. You know, Chris Algieri at welterweight was absolutely a zero. He had no punching power. Errol Spence had nothing to be scared of.
1: And he won a robbery at 140 against Provodnikov.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a close fight. My point right. is that Provodnikov is more of a legend of, uh, of war right. than he is a legend of boxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, man. Look, man. Look, Errol Spence in this fight, to me, has this one advantage, and it's something I can't get out of my head. Had this fight not come, and it's not immediately, there's a long layoff here for Kell Brook in the wake of the orbital bone fracture that he sustained against Gennady Golovkin with right. his corner throw in the towel. But mm-hmm. it is his last fight,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: So your next fight, after that happens, is going to come at a weight class 13 pounds. lesser. It's, it's a weight class you've made your entire career. But you're going to come back down 13 pounds after getting your orbital bone crushed against Probably the strongest welterweight in the world besides yourself who can crack with both hands. I think if this fight was made a year ago, before the Golovkin fight, right. Brooke probably would have won a decision with a, a surprising knockdown in it. Right, I-, I favored Brooke 60-40 at that point. Those circumstances, as much as I want to ignore them and think that this is a 50-50 fight, That combination of things leading up into a Spence fight, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, he ain't proven shit, he's overhyped, blah, blah, blah. And I've been the biggest critic of him. His entire rise. Right. Good and bad. Those are dangerous circumstances to take on this mandatory, my friend. I'm not giving a prediction right now. No. But that's the feeling it leaves in my stomach.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, to throw on top of that, he hasn't been at 147 for a long time, so he hasn't done that suck-down dance for quite a while. No. And he's been at this weight floating around probably – I want to say he was probably 180, 185 pounds before the Golovkin fight. Yeah. And guess what? He looks like he's close to that again. <laughs> so that's a, that's a serious boil down. But I'll tell you what, all those advantages you just mentioned for er- Errol Spence, I say I make it a 50-50 fight based on the advantages that Kelbrook gains in the fight being at uh at basically a homecoming fight for him
1: Sheffield is an advantage, yes, the biggest in the fight probably it's
0: in an outdoor soccer arena, I believe it's a Brommelll lane or whatever the fuck they call it. I don't give a shit some soccer arena over there. it's going to be packed, they will sell the place out. I believe it's a thirty thousand seat arena, so he's going to he's going to have the advantages in the fight as being the hometown fighter, pretty much the a side fighter i mean there's no, there's I don't think there's any disputing that. He's. it's going to take Errol Spence a little bit more in his first fight. If he wants this belt, he's going to have to do what Terrence Crawford did to Ricky Burns four years ago. Spence has never fought on this stage. No, he has not. He has not. This is going to be a major, major change for him. The That factor and the factor that you mentioned are the two biggest factors in the fight to see how they play out with Brooks losing weight and Spence's fighting a guy that he's just – it's. Uh, two steps above the next best fighter he's been in the ring with.
1: Yeah, it's a great matchup. It is. It is. It's a great matchup. Um, And it'll be the first time that Errol Spence won't be able to physically dominate somebody. Now, he may end up going on to knock out Kell Brook. Uh, Yeah, I would not be shocked to see him knock Kell Brook out in three rounds. But I wouldn't be shocked to see a a prospect who hasn't been in the ring with a puncher like Brook before get knocked out himself. Oh,
0: yeah. Let's see what happens in the 10th round there, Errol, when you've been in a tough fight. (laughs) Got to dig deep. Yeah.
1: All right. I think this is probably one of the greatest hashtags in the boxing universe, especially how everybody always harps on, oh, the sweet science and boxing skills, and uh, you, guys, you guys don't know what boxing skill is. You know, Paul Malignaggi is always lecturing yeah, us about that. Of course. About how we don't know, you know, and, and, and always downplaying these great matchups like Salido Vargas and Provodnikov Bradley and all these great fights or whatever, saying, oh, you guys don't know what the fuck you're watching. Doug Fisher has the greatest counter hashtag to all of that. Instead of hashtag sweet science, he says hashtag savage science (laughs) with the announcement of Miguel Burchelt defending his WBC junior lightweight championship against none other than TAC Mira sometime this summer in Los Angeles on HBO.
0: Them boys don't play around down there at 130, do they? (laughs) They get right to it. I mean, these guys are beating the shit out of each other. I mean, they're putting each other through the ringer. And, uh, you know, I'll step out on a limb right here and say Miguel Burchelt, is the youngest, freshest of that bunch, Uh and I think he'll prove it against Muir in this fight.
1: I think this is going to be a war. Oh, it's going to (laughs) be.
0: Muir ain't going down without a fight. We
1: know that. And let's get it clear right now for all those that criticize us for loving fights like this. This is not on the skill level of Vargas and Salido. No, no, it's not. (laughs) It's not. Vargas and Salido are very highly experienced craftsmen. These two, Burchelt, we don't know what kind of craft he has yet. All we know is he's big and he's violent. And strong as fuck. Strong as an ox. Yeah. And Takmura carries the legend of the Iron Fist in his left. <laughs> right. You know? So the combination yeah. of the two. And, and mira has got a great chin, you know? Minus the Vargas little... I, mean, I, hope,
0: I hope you didn't cast your vote for fight of the year on uh, Chocolatito Rungvise yet. Because this one has a serious chance.
1: I think it's got about... Yeah. 100% chance that it'll be equally as violent. Yeah. All right. Close the show with this. Mm hmm. Reportedly close, Vin. The reports mm-hmm. are out there. Is it fake news? Is it real news? Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev, too, looks to be angling towards a middle of June date with Rock Nation putting a hold on the Mandalay Bay. What, what say you for a rematch of Ward versus Kovalev?
0: I call bullshit. You don't think it's happening? I don't. Think, oh, I
1: thought you were gonna get stoked.
0: No, I don't think it's happening. I, I think this is gonna get dragged on. I that, you call call it a cynical point of view on it, but you know it is what it is, man. I just and maybe maybe it's been quiet, and maybe that's a good thing for, for the negotiations of this fight. I don't know. I don't think there's any way Andre Ward, if you're ever going to fight again, Andre Ward, you have to fight Sergey Kovalev again. <laughs> yeah, I mean you will get no zero respect otherwise. So maybe I'm wrong. He has an opportunity to silence us. And anything that involves Andre Ward, Ken, I just I gives me pause to like this is Andre Ward. <laughs> Let's be careful what we believe that's coming out of this guy's mouth.
1: Oh man. I think it's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think Andre Ward <laughs> dude, he 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 does it he's like the Washington Redskins. He's a PR nightmare. <laughs> He like ba- he
0: can't get out of his own fucking way. No,
1: he backpedals out of an idiotic statement by following it up with something that confuses his first idiocy. You know what I mean? Like, he, Dude, it's such a clusterfuck the way that he... Look, I get it. He's a self-made man, okay? He keeps everything. Look, it's all him. He doesn't have a publicist. Tr- trust me, he doesn't have a publicist. No. Because if he did, he wouldn't say the things that he says. He gets under our skins. There's still enough... diehard Andre Ward fans out there, what happened in the first fight, is this going to do astronomically far superior in pay-per-view buys than the first one? Nope. No. Because the first fight wasn't good enough. No. I mean, it was for diehard fans because we were stressed out as fuck on all sides. Right. Whether you were supporting Andre Ward or Sergey Kovalev, everybody's butt was puckered tight. (laughs) Yeah. That was a tense fight. It was. Andre Ward has one angle from here on out. I don't want to see him fight again if it's not Sergei Kovalev. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to make one positive public relations move before you retire, go out, make the rematch, beat him, and shut up guys like Vince Cummings and Kenny Keith once and for all. That's all he has to do, Vin. Yeah. Just make the rematch and win the fight, and you shut us up
0: forever and it shouldn't be that hard to do when you sit there and tell everybody that you won the first fight so if you won the first fight andre come on back make a little scratch and win the second fight and really win the second fight
1: (laughs) this time actually win the second fight i know you got it on paper i think it's gonna happen i I
0: hope so man i'll be just as pumped for the second fight as i was for the first fight
1: and i tell you what hbo will be just as happy to see andre ward go as Rock Nation will, off their books. Because what Andre Ward's been able to pull off in the wake of his inactivity, his lawsuit with Goose and Promotions, Andre Ward has gotten away with highway robbery. Getting paid what he got paid. When you're telling me you can't pick up Valdez versus Mariaga, you couldn't pick up Manny Pacquiao versus Jesse Vargas, which was going to be a pay-per-view anyway, so you would have recouped something. Right. You won't pick up this, you won't pick up that because of budgetary cuts and a pending corporate buyout. And, dude, it's one excuse after the other, but you have no problem paying Andre Ward's way for him in the wake of doing nothing other than disrupting his own career. And casting just, I mean, dude, again today, I know it's pound-for-pound rankings, and this just delegitimizes the concept of them together, which is why we don't do them anymore. Ring Magazine putting Andre Ward number one pound for pound. So Andre Ward, who beats Sergey Kovalev uh, by the judges' scorecards, but yet 90% of the boxing public thinks that Sergey Kovalev wins that fight. Mm -hmm. That Sergey Kovalev clearly wins that fight and that he got robbed. Chocolatito, who is the pound-for-pound king, puts forth one of the most valiant efforts we've seen in modern boxing and gets robbed. So the pound for pound king gets robbed, and a guy who robs somebody moves into the number one slot. The whole handling and perception of Andre Ward in this sport is so distorted. It's perverted. It's so fucked up. It, it, dude. It's 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 his relationship
0: with HBO is perverted. It's like he he gets a a, it gets back in just because of him having the ties of being an announcer, and he just knows everybody at HBO. And they kind of threw him a bone, giving him the contract they gave him and giving him the fights they gave him. Only, they told Andre Ward, only if you fight Sergey Kovalev or apparently Gennady Golovkin, but we, we all know about that deal. But he, they were basically told him, you are going to have to, at the end of the rainbow, fight either one of, two, of these two guys or we're not signing you to ship. But so, they just
1: gave him the pot of gold. And
0: they did. They gave it to him, for sure. I, You know, it's that they give a guy like Andre Ward all that money. They paid him for three bullshit fights before he gets HBO, apparently a fight that they think they're going to make money off of that they probably really didn't make that much money off of in the end. And it takes away from guys that deserve to be getting exposure and guys that will be there in the future for, for fights on HBO. This guy's taken away from it. I don't know, man. It's just it's frustrating. It's fucking frustrating.
1: So do you think part of your 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 cynicism or your, or your skepticism on this fight being made is because part of you really doesn't want to see it again?
0: Uh, yeah, and this is coming from a guy who used to love Andre Ward. He used to be my favorite fighter in boxing four years ago.
1: <laughs> Got you bent over the fucking coals, yeah, doesn't he?
0: And that's not easy to say in a public forum. Man. <laughs> Let me tell you something.
1: It's not that many people listening, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, There's not that many. All right, man. Let's end it right there. Yeah, let's uh, let's get me home, Ken. I'm falling asleep in yeah. this chair over here. Sorry, man. <laughs> Too many pee breaks tonight. <laughs> uh, you've been dialed into episode 154 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We brought you the preview of Jorge Linares versus Anthony Crolla, Part Two. Quigley versus Tapia tonight on ESPN Two. Some news and notes: Valdez, Mariaga, Crawford, Ruiz, and Brooke versus Spence is official. Uh oh. Get your pay-per-view buys in today to MatchroomBoxing.com. Get your get your Matchroom Fight Pass app. Hey, man, I bought one of those one time. <laughs> I wouldn't be telling anybody that. <laughs> I hope Brian King's not listening right now. Oh, <laughs> well, Be sure to drop by Boxingrant.com today and subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And be sure to subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. So until next week when we bring you the post fight of Lenares versus Hala Part 2. You've been listening to the Tale of the Tape on the Muchas gracias, everybody!